Hello everybody, it's Sean Sewell. Welcome to the Engagement.com podcast. Very excited today to have a very strong, awesome woman on the show, Erin McCann with Project Bike Love. Erin is a badass, uh, extreme sports athlete, and she co-founded Project Bike Love. And we're going to dive into what got her into that, what she enjoys about biking, her personal life, and how you can be part of Project Bike Love. Welcome to the show, Erin. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. I'm so stoked to be here. Me too. It's great. Yeah. Nice to have you. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. So, Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, ooh, where do I start? <laughs> yeah, right. It's always the hardest part. Huh. Well, um, I just moved out here to Colorado, yep. which I'm really stoked about. Um, I'm a avid mountain biker, which is pretty much what brought me here. I work for Fox Racing. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, grew up, or I was born in Auburn, Alabama, um, moved to California when I was uh, 15, and I was big into riding horses. So that's kind of like how my athletic, um, <laughs> uh, or uh, not necessarily athletic, but I would say like adrenaline chasing started because oh, I did that. show jumping with horses. Um, I was really into that most of my life, and um, like... Uh, most things just totally obsessed over it. You know, it was the first thing I did in the morning. I competed. Um, I loved it. I wanted to go to the Olympics. Like it was my big dream. And, um, I realized in my mid twenties that I could not afford that dream. (laughs) I (laughs) I was like, this is not going to work for me and my budget. Um, you know, and when I actually ended up, uh, quitting, that I was working like three jobs, like bartending at night, restaurants in the morning, like trying to pay for my horse. And I was like, this is not a life at all. Not sustainable. No. And the horse too, like you're thinking about another living animal and I wasn't giving him enough attention. And so I sold my horse and was like, what am I going to do with my life? And somebody suggested that I start riding Mm -hmm. um, bikes and I had no idea what I was doing. So I like got a bike off Craigslist, like most people do, you know, it had like the down tube shifters and like, (laughs) I was like in, you know, gym shorts and sneakers. And I was like, this is so awesome. And the first time I got on a bike, um, like as an adult, I rode like 25 miles, which was insanely long. Apparently I didn't realize that that was like a really long time. And, um, you were like, yeah, you should do this. This is like, this seems like it could be your thing. So I, kind of like with horses, I just got really into bikes. And, um, first I started doing triathlon and I, uh, did started training and did a bunch of like, uh, half Ironmans. And then I eventually trained and did an Ironman. And after that I was kind of like, okay, I'm really good on the bike and I hate swimming and running. (laughs) So I'll start, uh, mountain biking a little bit and someone introduced me to mountain biking as like a, something to do when you're not training like kind of like cross training I guess mm-hmm. and I just absolutely fell in love with it um like it has a lot of similarities to riding horses as far as like the adrenaline like I love getting my wheels off the ground you know jumping <laughs> that kind of thing so I just got really into it and um at the time I was actually uh getting my master's in sports and exercise psychology and wow. yeah, I was working um, as a personal trainer at the gym and I just decided that I kind of wanted my career to go that direction. So in like 2014, I called um, the owner, or I guess I didn't call, I Facebook messaged <laughs> the owner of um, a bike shop in Southern California. And I was like, hey, can I have a job? Like, I'll do whatever, <laughs> you know? And so I kind of started uh, my career all over, like working part-time at a bike shop and just learning about the industry and, and getting into it. And obviously just got like more and more into bikes, obsessed with gear, as you know, oh, I love sure. gear yes, <laughs> and mountain biking has so yeah. much cool gear. Um, and you know, I, I do other things like, you know, I grew up snowboarding and doing yoga and mm-hmm. I just like, I love being active. Um, I honestly don't know what to do with myself if I'm not. So, which is kind of like, um, how I got into sports and exercise psychology is I got injured and realized what it was like for athletes or, you know, active people who couldn't be active. And I, I realized like that was something really interesting to me. So that's kind of my, my, um, hobbies have kind of like thrown me in the direction of my career. I've just kind of followed my heart, I guess, through all of that, which has been really awesome. Yeah. It's been pretty cool. And, um, so, Probably in around that same time that I called the bike shop and asked for a job, 
I had also just recently um, canceled a wedding. Mm. I was engaged um, and moved back home with my dad at like 30 years old and was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had that, but when you just have those moments that you're like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. like every decision I'm making is just not getting me where I want to go. And so I decided that like I really needed to to change sort of like my motivation. And, and to be honest, it was sort of this realization that I just had to get out of like self. Like I just had to get out of like obsession with like me and my life and what I needed to do and how I was going to make it better and how I was going to get married and do this and like what path I was going to be on. It was like, it was like all of that craziness about myself was like not working. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to, um, kind of decide like how I was going to give back to the world. Like that's like, it was like, I really started to think about, you know, what I can give versus what I can get. And that's how the idea of Project Bike Club started. But at the time it was just, um, it was really just an idea to give back to my local community. And um, so I just started talking to people. I knew nothing about um, starting a nonprofit. Sure. Nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to do it. Yeah. I just, I just actually, to be honest, at the time, I wasn't even thinking about a nonprofit. Like that wasn't even a thought. It was a, it was a one-time local event that I wanted to do. And, um, I was talking to local cycling groups in my area and I was working at rock and road at the time. So I had a lot of access to people in the community and, um, I wasn't really getting a lot of support. Um, not in a, not in like a negative way. I just didn't really know what I was doing. So I wasn't really asking any specific, uh, requests of people. So I just started to organize this, like, I guess it was, I can't even remember right now. It was like end of 2014. It was, uh, I think it was going to do like a, a day with like inner city youth, just like teach them how to ride bikes and just get a bunch of people out there with them. And, um, just some local schools in like the Gardena, like Compton area in LA. Okay. And um, during that time that I was organizing it, it was falling over like the Christmas holiday. And I was at my brother and sister-in-law's house and I opened a Christmas present and it was a little uh, charm bracelet for my mom and it had a bike on it. And the card was this note and it was a picture of a girl and it said, we know how much you love bikes, so we donated a bike in your honor. I get wow. That's sweet. <laughs> um, and, and it read all about how it would help these girls safely get to school mm-hmm. and allow them to have safe and reliable transportation. I'm getting chills talking about it. It was such a moving moment in my life. It was just like the simplest gift where I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is what I'm doing. Like, I want a global impact, you yeah. know, like – and so I really started to look into that and, and read about it online and the importance of safe and reliable transportation. And I read all of this stuff about how that should be considered one of the basic needs of people mm-hmm. around the world. And I also started to realize like how privileged I was to ride bikes as a hobby because around the world, bikes are actually like emergency transportation you know, the only way people can get to fresh water, you know, the Mm -hmm. only way people can, you know, get to all of the basic needs that they, that they have. So that became kind of my mission or my purpose. And I just, uh, didn't have a clue how I was going to do it. And I just had a really good idea, I guess. I thought it was really good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also, I also am really passionate about empowering women. Mm -hmm. Um, I love uh, getting more women on bikes, um, helping women um, just like find their voice in in a lot of ways. Um, And so, and like do really rad shit that they don't (laughs) think they can do. And, you know, like with me and my career, like I really wanted to get in bikes and I wanted to work specialized and I wanted to teach suspension and I wanted to be able to build a bike and like all these things. And, And, you know, not all women feel like there's a place for them in that like man's world or whatever, you know, like, and, uh, and so I always kind of wanted to be a voice for that and make things more, um, inclusive and bring more people. So I was like, how am I going to get bikes 
to women around the world because <laughs> yeah. that's what I want. I want them to be able to have more opportunities. I want them to be able to have more time back into their lives. Um, and more than anything, what I wanted was to create global connection. That was like hands down the overall, uh, you know, mission was just like global connection and awareness. Like I wanted people in Southern California to understand like what an impact they could make on people in, you know, India, Africa, like we are all connected, even though it seems like we're so individual and divided, mm -hmm. but I wanted to bring awareness to people that they could make just like a, a huge difference. So anyways, <laughs> no, I love <laughs> that. We are connected for yeah. sure. And, uh, I, uh, there's this amazing, uh, group of women in Southern California called the trail angels. And they, I mean, they are wonderful. Like when I was learning, when I learned a mountain bike, it was very typical. I had an ex-boyfriend who was teaching me to ride. I'd fall all the time. Their <laughs> advice was always just go fast. Don't hit the brakes. You know, like, oh, sure. <laughs> just, like very helpful. <laughs> yeah. <it> was <laughs> really encouraging and supportive. Like yeah. I only, you know, have 500 scars from the first month of mountain biking, but you know, um, so being that I worked at the bike shop and Trail Angels was affiliated with Rock and Road Cyclery, that was the bike shop. And um, I reached out to somebody and this woman, Kathy Chambers, she took me out to ride. And it was the best moment ever. Like I actually had support and I improved and it was just like she spoke a language I understood. Mm -hmm. And I felt a million times better on my mountain bike. So I was like, wow, there really is something to women empowering women. Yes. Um, and through the Trail Angels, I got a lot of support that way. And um, there was another uh, woman, Laura, who was always so amazing um, to me and encouraging. And so when I started this idea, I had I reached out to her and said, would you be interested <clears throat> or do you know anybody who would be um, any suggestions? Just I was literally like throwing darts at the oh, wall. Sure. At everybody I knew, like <laughs> they said no, they said no, they said no. Oh, they said maybe I'm going for them, you know, <laughs> like, <down>. yeah. <laughs> and Laura, of course, was like. I'll do whatever I can. She's like, why don't you come on this women's ride? There's like 10 of us or so. And I'd love for you to share what you have with the women on this ride. So I show up and um, we're just riding and talking. And that's where I met Belen Ramirez. I never met her before. Uh, she was a friend, from, friend of Laura's. She's from Paraguay. Okay. And um, she's a doctor for Doctors Without Borders. Um, cool. And I don't even know if Laura meant for me to talk to her that day or if she just showed up on that ride. Who knows? But when I started talking about what I wanted to do, she just like perked up. It was like, it w I'm going to cry. <laughs> it was just like we connected. It yeah. was amazing. Like she just loved what I had to say and I loved what she had to say. And it was such a crazy day. Like we rode this big ride. I was actually leaving that day to go to a 12 hour mountain bike race. So I had to like rush out of there. And then like Bolin had like locked her keys in the truck. It was like this crazy <laughs> day. We're like, all right, like let's connect next week or whatever. And at the time I used to run a lot, which I've kind of retired from. Yeah. <laughs> I've recovered from, I like to say. Um, but we went on this like eight mile trail ride and just like talked and cried and connected and just like all the ideas we wanted to do. And, um, Lynn and I are so different, you know, like, but also very connected. And, um, you know, she grew up in Paraguay. She knew from a very young age she wanted to be a doctor. She knew she wanted to do humanitarian work. Like, she, that was never a doubt. And she just, she knew that's what she was going to do. She created it. She made it happen. And that's who she is. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I don't know what I want to do. At 30 years old, I decided I wanted to do humanitarian work, right? So yeah. she was the perfect person to connect with. Like the Balanced universe. You out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was like, how are we going to find like a community of women to donate these bikes to? And again, this was like a one-time thing we were doing. Mm -hmm. And um, we... I remember sitting at this trailhead and just like talking and talking. And she's like, why don't we deliver bikes to women in Paraguay? I know people. I know, you know, nonprofits I've worked for down there. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I never would have thought of Paraguay. Yeah. A lot of people don't think about Paraguay. It's an area that it's a beautiful country with beautiful people. And they just don't have the same kind of humanitarian support that places like Africa get, you know, sure. but they are in, you know, they need support just like um, any, you know, uh, impoverished areas. So 
we started figuring out what that was going to look like. And we created um, kind of like a rough plan of how we wanted to make it happen and how many people. And we um, connected with another uh, group called Hello Possibility. And they are an organization that helps nonprofits uh, get started and fundraise. So you can like operate underneath them as a 501c3. So like your donors can still get tax write-offs and you can still like do all the things a nonprofit does without actually having to be a nonprofit. Oh, that's very helpful. Oh my God. It was amazing because it's hard to get, it's hard to get people to donate. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's hard to get people to donate at all, but it's um, even harder when you're not an actual 501c3. Yeah. They want that paperwork for tax. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And so it, they were really helpful, and they also helped us like get our website started, our Facebook page, our logo, like all of these things. So That's it was like really great. great. Yeah, it was so good, and they were just supportive. And um, it was it's good to have people who have your back when you're doing those things, and a sounding board, and all of that. So um, at that time, we we started oh sent out like applications to Paraguay. Um, we worked with an organization called Techo and they build houses, um, down in Paraguay and Belin did work for them when she was in, um, when she lived there. And so she was the contact there. And then we'd sent out applications for all these, uh, women to that, that would need bikes. And so we were, we were actually making sure that they would use them in a way that would increase, you know, would economically benefit them, would put time back in their lives, which would help them do work, just all these like sort of qualifications we wanted them to have. Mm-hmm. And we got over like a hundred applications and we were like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Like we had no idea that that was, was a serious need. Yeah. And, um, so that year was tough. Like we fundraising was tough. Getting people to join was tough. I mean, it was just Belin and me, you know, and and with the support of Hello Possibilities. But they, you know, they did that for lots of companies. So for yeah. Project Bike Club, it was us. And by the time we got um, we got some other people. Um, Amy, Amy Stonich came along, and she was super helpful and just an amazing woman. And in the you know, cycling community down there. And so she would come out and help us at like local events to raise awareness. I mean, I'm not kidding. This started with like a lemonade stand at a local mountain bike race. And Amy and I would serve pink lemonade and like take donations. It was so fun. Like it I felt like a little kid, you know, like we're going to have a lemonade stand and get raise money. But like, I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. So, um, and that, and we did that with rock and road cyclery and rock and road cyclery came in as our number one and first big supporter. They let us do like an information night that they helped, um, organize and they've just had our back. And so that, that was really, um, powerful and helpful for us. Um, and when we got to go to Paraguay for the first time, we had barely raised enough money and Belinda and I were like, Okay we're paying for this (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we will try to pay ourselves back afterwards, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just kind of, you know, that's just the reality of like starting a nonprofit, you know, and maybe not everybody goes through that, but for us, it was really just, I don't know, like trying to figure out what worked, you know, and like, how do you get, how do you get people to donate money? You know, everyone's reluctant. No one's just like, here's all your money, you know? So, um, that was, that was like a really tough, um, learning process for us, but we went to, uh, Paraguay and, oh my God, like, I cannot tell you how life-changing and amazing it was. And, you know, you think that you're going there to give a lot, like, you're like, we're going to really like support these people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to do these bike donations and we're going to let them know that we love them and that there's a global community that cares about them and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, you're like, holy shit. I am so empowered and motivated and inspired. Like you change and like your whole perspective on, or I guess my whole perspective on, you know, life change. Like you see the way that other people live in other countries and it really makes you more aware Mm -hmm. and grateful. And you just like, I think the biggest thing that happened on that first trip is that my like 
my love for humanity just exploded. Like I could not contain just like how in love with like humanity I was. It just got me. I mean, I didn't, I don't speak Spanish. That's the Mm. other really amazing part of this. Like (laughs) Boleyn handles all of this. She's like the translator and she's like the organist. She's like literally Wonder Woman. I mean, I can't even tell you like how amazing that woman is. Like I am absolutely in love with her. She just is a beautiful human being that is always thinking about how to give back and how to do more. And she's also really well organized and like, I mean, she's grounded. So she just has so many admirable qualities. And, you know, you go to Paraguay and she's totally taking care of us and taking care of a, a ton of other things. And, and uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just like amazing how you can connect to people and you don't even speak their same language. Yeah. Like I could literally taught a woman, many women how to ride bikes that didn't speak English and I didn't speak Spanish, but somehow like you can teach them to ride a bike. It's not like, it's just, it's amazing what happens when you don't like limit yourself to be like, Oh, I don't speak Spanish. I can't go there. Mm-hmm. Or like, I don't know how I'm going to communicate with them. So I'm not going to go. Or I don't want to make Boleyn do all the translating. It's like they don't actually need it. You know, you get down there and you can just connect with these women. Oh, my God. And they hug you and they kiss you and they invite you in your house. And it's just like this amazing experience. So anyway, sorry, I could go on about this like forever. No, I love this process. <laughs> it sounds like you found your way to get out of self yeah. and be selfless. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just like I knew that what we were doing – for, you know, the women in Paraguay, for our local community. Um, I knew that that all was really um, important, but the self like growth that I was, that I got going through it was just, it was priceless. Mm -hmm. Like I really connected um, to, I don't know, people on a, on a bigger level than I ever, than I ever did, like compassion, um, just awareness. And just like, I really got something I say that sometimes sounds crazy, but I think we can all really, like, I really got how small I was. Yeah. And like, when you realize how small you are and how insignificant you actually are, like, that's when you can make a bigger impact. It's like, because you're, you can throw your ego out the window. You can like really just let yourself be um, like a, a person who can, you know, you just like do the work, yeah. right? Like you're just the person doing the work. Like you have a mission, you're doing the work and it's not about you. Yep. And you know, when you're in Paraguay, like it's not about you. Accommodations are not the way that they are here. Bathrooms are not the same. Public transportation is not the same. Food's not the same. You're not on vacation. <laughs> you no, know, you're not on vacation. I mean, we have a ton of fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like you are dis- you are uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's this weird thing when you come back here because you're like, I don't really need all these cereal options. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't really need 500 plates in my cupboard. You know, like yeah. Why do I have so much stuff? You know. I'll come back and like purge everything. I'm like, I don't need this or I want to give this to you. And, you know, that's another thing. It's just like, I, I love, like, I've just kind of created this like giving back thing. Like I love mm-hmm. to give back, especially when it comes to like selling old gear or bikes or whatever. It's like, I'm always looking for somebody who could use it or somebody who needs it. Not just like a, you know, how can I make money? And, and it's project bike life has really changed my whole outlook on life because I can't, even when, you know, I get stuck in like, me again because we all right it's all this fluctuation oh, it's a cycle for sure <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not like i just walk around like oh yay how can i give back i love people you know <laughs> it's not like that like there are moments where i definitely get into like poor me why me why this but i always realize that the only way to get out of it is to start thinking waking up in the morning and start thinking about how i can give what i can contribute and not what i get and oh my god it like life just gets so much better when yeah. I do that. I, I agree. I mean, I've, I go through my bouts too. And if I get my isolation, I'll get out the gratuity journal or make a phone call to somebody I haven't talked to or just do something for a neighbor or a stranger. And you're like, oh, this is how I should feel. Yeah. And sometimes why does it take us so long to do that? Stupidness. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I've been suffering for four days and all I needed to do was something not about myself, you know? Yep. Like, <laughs> so true. It's so crazy, you know? And I did that even with like work, I get hung up with like, is this what I wanted? Or is this why, you know, like, is this what I want to do? Or, 
you know, and it, it constantly is like, am I, is this job giving me what I want, you know? And I realized like, if I think about how I can contribute to the other people, how I can be a resource for others, like what I can do to give back, creating an attention, an intention around that, mm-hmm. I think it's so much, I, I just show up better. I show up as a better employee, a better friend, you know, a better daughter, like those kind of things, you know? So it's tra- like the things that I've learned through creating Project Bike Club has transferred into my life in the most amazing ways. Like just my life today was completely created in, you know, out of that, yeah. like out of that same principle of like starting Project Bike Club. Out of a one-day thing to give bikes back to people and sell lemonade, and yeah. here it is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And you know, the year so after that first one, the the crazy thing about um, it's not the crazy thing, but the amazing thing about Hello Possibilities is they're kind of like a starting block. They don't want you to stay. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, they're like, "You did good, kids. Now go <laughs> do your own thing." And you're like, "But wait, you know, like <laughs> I have questions. How do we do this on our own?" And so I started um, researching like how to be a nonprofit, like how to do your own thing. And this is honestly, this was like the, one of the coolest moments of my life. I, it's like I won the nonprofit lottery. I'm like, I, I put our name in and our mission and I applied for this lottery. Or I guess it's not a lottery because they handpick you, but basically there's a list mm-hmm. in Southern California um, of all of the nonprofits and you kind of give your pitch. And then all of the uh, law offices in the area, read through them, and they pick what they want to do for, like, pro bono work. Okay. And there's probably thousands of applicants, and sure. only, like, 10 or something get picked. And we got picked by Jones Day Law Firm, which is a huge law firm. And we had these two guys uh, call us or email us, said, we want, you know, we want to meet you. And we go in, and it's like, here we are, These all these, like, cyclists right mm-hmm. <laughs> like the best dress outfits we could find <laughs> and we're sitting around this like fancy boardroom mm-hmm. and we're like what is happening <laughs> you know, what are we doing and these two lawyers come in and they're you know like probably mid-30s mm-hmm. uh and they're like you know what we read through all of the applications and you know we do all of this like uh corporate law and you know we we want to help you guys. This is the coolest thing that we have come across in a long time. And we're just so excited to work for you. Oh my God. It was like tears. Yeah. We were just like, are you kidding? What? Like, yeah. Work for you. <laughs> you want to work for us? Yeah. And oh my God, not, they still work for us. This was in 2015 and they, uh, they completely handled our entire process wow. of becoming a 501c3. The bylaws, the board, the, you know, copyright, the, you know, just like, honestly, anything we needed, they did it. Wow. It was amazing. Like, they really took us on. And they worked with us. They explained to us why and how they were doing what they did. Like, we were always, um, they just became part of the team. That's so cool. By you giving, you got these guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was incredible. Like, um. It was so incredible to just like show up at this like fancy law firm and be like, yeah, we're here with Project Bike Love. Like, <laughs> what? Like, it was so crazy. I still think it's crazy, like, you know, to be this like idea selling lemonade to like showing up in a, you know, busy, you know, uh, law office and actually like having a boardroom with our name on it. And, you know, it was just surreal. And, um, but at the same time, it just drove us to do more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just kept, we just kept fundraising and I honestly could talk for days about this, but it's just different connections just kept showing up. Mm -hmm. It was just like, you'd meet somebody and, and, and I guess the overall uh, approach that got us there is that we just talked to anybody and everybody. And that's, that's kind of the hurdle that I think I love to tell people about when it comes to Project Bike Love is that we were told no a lot more than we were told yes. Oh, for sure. I'd be surprised you weren't. Yeah. I don't think any business that's successful has all uh, upward spike in positivity. It's a lot of failure and a lot of rejection. Exactly. And I think that's what people, what some people, what I need. And I, when I say that, it's because I was there. Like I had to get over that because I was certainly somebody who would ask and when told no, mm-hmm. would stop. Because like that's what rejection is, right? Like you get at you ask if there's a no and then you stop. Yeah. And that's kind of how my life was. 
you know, and that's how I've, I followed that. Like I try this and there was a no. And so I'd stop. And the reality is, is like, that's not how life works. And that's not how you get successful. Like you have to learn to take the no's and to deal with the rejection and mm -hmm. to know that like you may spend an hour preparing a pitch to somebody who is 100% not interested. And then it means nothing. And then you keep going. And the greatest part of that is like, you really don't know who, like who you're reaching. It's like, I could be having this conversation with you and you could be not interested in all, but somebody that you know is and that's the thing that that's so huge about creating whatever you want to do whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's your business whether it's being a pro athlete whether it's you know whatever dream it is you're chasing i've like realized like it's all about the connection you make with people mm -hmm. and just because one person's not interested doesn't mean that it was it wasn't worth it like those conversations can lead to something else that can lead to something else. And two years down the road, you're not, you'll finally see how that added up. And like I have this uh, thing I practice just as like radical faith, right? It's just like radical faith. I don't see the plan. I don't know what it is, but like if I just keep doing what I like feel like I need to do, it'll eventually turn out the way it's supposed to. And I have no idea what that's going to look like. Yeah. Like I can create like a dream board, but let me tell you what, it's not going to look like that. It's probably going to be better if I just go for it, you know? Yeah. And well, that's kind of that. like what project bike love was is like, it's like I created a dream board mm -hmm. and just kept going for it. And what it is today is absolutely nothing. What was on that dream board, but it's better, yeah. way, way better. Because it's like, I'm like the, I'm like the worker bee, <laughs> you know, like I don't create, I always tell people with Project Bike Live and people who want to get involved, they're like, Hey, how can I get involved? Tell me what to do. And I'm like, it's not how we work here. Like anybody who comes into Project Bike Love comes in with their own ideas and their own thoughts of like what they want to do and how they want to contribute. And you create your own position. Nice. And and I don't want it to be, I never wanted Project Bike Love to be my idea or like something that I wanted to create like a, a rule, like rules for, or some sort of <clears throat> like plug and play of this is how it's going to work and everybody's going to follow that. It was like, no, like I want, when Boleyn came in, it was like 100%, how are you going to contribute? Yes, do it, go. You know, Amy came in, how do you want to contribute? Yes, do it, go. Now it's only a little bit different because we have legal obligations. So now I'm a little, <laughs> so now I definitely have to, um, I just kind of make sure that what we're doing is in line with what we have to based on, you know, uh, the legal 501c3 guidelines and sure. stuff. So outside of that though, as far as the actual, like how do we contribute? That's like 100% up to the people involved to decide. And it's like you meet um people along the way and we can completely change the direction you know for example we've mostly like our mission was always for wit to to contribute to women mm -hmm. but we have now contributed to so many children boys and girls that it's like so that's changed a little sure. bit but we saw the need for that as well you know so it can change and grow and that's the great thing about project bike love is we want to always honor our donors, which is why anytime we do a delivery, we do a special um, fundraising project just for that. So when you donate money, you know exactly where it's going. So for example, maybe I'm really passionate about, you know, um, children, but like, and not that anybody would do this, but maybe they're not that inspired by empowering women, which mm -hmm. is totally fine. We all have our things, right? But they see like bikes going to children and they're like, oh yeah, I wanna do that. So then we can give them the opportunity to donate to just that and know that their money was used for the children's bikes. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's it's awesome because that's like one thing that I noticed with like trying to donate money is that like when you donate money to these big organizations, it's it's great. Don't get sure. me wrong. But you don't really know where and what it's going to. You know, you're just kind of going into the big pool of things and it may go to who knows who knows <laughs> i've been to a lot of meetings and i'm like what are we doing here <laughs> yeah yeah who knows and we and we really want our um 
our deliveries of the bikes to be super personal. So we create or collect uh, letters from the donors that we read to the women when we give their bikes. It's this huge emotional experience. They bring letters and they bring, um, uh, you know, uh, goods that they've made or the things that they sell and they show us what they're going to be doing with the bikes. And we bring like the letters from the women here or the donors here and we read them. And so there are these long delivery processes. Like we don't just like show up and like hand bikes and sign, leave. Sign here for bike. <laughs> yeah. We do this like entire um, uh, organized event where we give them each their bike and then, you know, read the letter and like talk to them and get to know them. And then we like hang out and we'll go on uh, a bike ride together, uh, teach them some basic bike maintenance stuff. Wow. Um, and then. So anyone... you're not just giving them the fish, you're teaching them how to fish. Exactly. Yeah. This is really yeah. important. And that's the thing. Like we really want we don't just want to give them a bike and say, here you go. Like we right. gave you a bike. Good job. Like we, the whole point is to really empower them and let them know that they're cared about and loved. Like that's empowering. Yeah. And it is like what the stories we hear about from the women after they've gotten the bike and like how they've now decided to give back and like what they're doing to help their communities. Oh my God. It's like the impact is amazing. It's like, it's, it's so crazy. It's, it's kind of like the the butterfly effect, right? Yes. You create this tiny, tiny vibration, and the impact is massive. And not only have I seen that in my own life, but I've seen it in the women's lives that's involved with Project Bike Love. Um, I've seen it with the women, the donors. The most one of the biggest ones is uh, earlier this year in February, we did um, a delivery at the Navajo Indian Reservation in Arizona to sixteen Girl Scouts. Wow. Um, this amazing, amazing woman showed up at Sedona Mountain Bike Festival when I was there like two years ago and asked me questions about Project Bike Love. And I said, oh, my God, we would love to help. Um, she said, you know, that she had started this Girl Scout troop and they didn't really have a lot of money, but she really wanted to help the girls there, you know, create, you know, be empowered, yeah. create a bigger, you know, better life. And um, I, didn't, I didn't hear from her for an entire year. <laughs> She finally sent us an email and within a month we were fundraising for her and we were like making this happen. And and we all drove out there and donated bikes to the girls. We slept in a gym auditorium on air mattresses. And then the next day all the girls showed up and we had like a full, like we did Zumba with them and we (laughs) played games with them. And, um, Kevin, who's a, uh, manager, a service manager, um, at rock and road cyclery came out and did like a bike uh, like a bike building, like bike anatomy with the girls. Wow. And you see this, there's like 16 girls standing around Kevin mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, got a bike pulled apart. And he's like asking him like, well, where do you think this goes? And all the girls are like, it goes right there. Like hands <laughs> raising. And they're like yelling out. And I'm just like, I can't even explain to you like how I feel when this stuff is happening. I'm number one, taking a million pictures. Cause I never want to forget these moments. Yes. I'm like, crying i'm like hugging Boleyn. Mm-hmm. i mean it is in it is insane like you started this yeah it's just crazy and these girls are just oh they're amazing and since then i mean the the impact that that made on that community is unbelievable like when Boleyn was out there she's gone out since to to deliver a couple more bikes and ride with the girls and um one of the husbands actually came up to her and said, thank you. I cannot believe what you've done for my wife and my daughter. That's awesome. It's because, oh, so what ended up happening is the moms all ended up wanting to ride with the girls. So we did like this instant delivery to try to get all the moms bikes. Oh yeah. And then they did this like 200 mile ride across the Indian reservation. Wow. I know. It's like, <laughs> it's insane. This is a movie. This is it's movies. A movie. Yeah. It's crazy. And so now there's so many things I want to do. I'm like, we need to build them a skills park and we need to, well, you know, like <laughs> I want to like do so much more. Cause when you get an impact like that, you're like, holy crap. Like we really are making an impact. Mm-hmm. Like what we're doing is really changing people's lives like and you when you see that impact when it when the husband of somebody like you haven't even met yet or when the husband that you haven't met yet comes up and thanks you because of the impact it's made on his family oh my god (laughs) it's like holy crap like yes bikes are what we use but like what we're doing is so 
much bigger, yeah. you know, than just like, oh, we're giving bikes to people to ride. It's like, no, there's so much that goes into it and why we do it behind that, which is the connection and the impact and like the love and just like, just seeing these, these women and children just like grow and, and just feel, I don't know. They feel so many things. They, but it's just, it's incredible. It, it's incredible to hear. That's, that's a beautiful story. Yeah. We, it's just, I don't know. It's like, honestly, such a, it's such an amazing surprise in my life, you know, yeah. that I didn't, I never in a million years no. would have thought. You were 30 back at home. With, you know, <laughs> what am I going to do? I was, this is, I'm, t if I, if you want to paint the picture of my life at 30, if I'm being really honest, I moved back into my dad's house in Silverado Canyon. Um, I was in the guest room watching, what's that show with, um, I can't remember what that show was. The one where they like do the drugs in New Mexico and. Fear and Loathing in Vegas? No, no, no. It's that series with like Jesse's like the guy, they like cook meth. I'm just terrible. Oh, uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I literally watched the entire Breaking Bad series. I'd never seen it in like 30 days. Oh, yeah. You were deep in the bed. Yeah, I was deep in it. I was like laying in bed and I would get out to ride my bike because I knew I needed that. But then I would go right back home to watching that mm -hmm. and I would cry all the time. And I'm like, is this ever going to end? You know, like mm -hmm. it was dark and it was, you know, it was awful. And I've got, you know, and since then, like, it's not like I cured that. Like that still happens. Like, you know. Two two years after I started Project Bike Love, my dad died unexpectedly. Yeah. And it was like, like, how do you, like, how do we start over? It was, you know, I, I describe it as this sort of, like, un unwanted freedom. Yeah. You know, because I did Project Bike Love, I worked, and I took care of my dad. And that was my life. Whew, that is a, as a caretaker myself, I know that's very challenging yeah. to run a business, especially one like yours, impacting people and taking care of a, a sick loved yeah. one. Yeah, it's wow. absolutely, it's hard because I used to say like, I never had guilt-free time, mm -hmm. never. Like I could never do Project Bike Love or go to Paraguay or ride my bike or do anything where I didn't feel guilty for not being with my dad. Yep. I forced myself to do it because I knew I was supposed to have self-care, but I, but given where he was at and the amount that he required, wanted me to be there. Mm -hmm. Like if it was up to him at the time, I never would have left the house. I would have oh, sure. been as like, you know, that would have been my full-time everything. Yep. But I knew because there were, I have a tribe of people who help me keep me grounded. And, you know, I go to for support that were like, no, Aaron, like go ride your bike, go do Paraguay, go work, like still chase your dreams. But I was definitely dealing with this sort of not having time where I didn't feel like I should be somewhere else. Right. And that's a, that's a really tough thing to go through is to always feel like you should be somewhere else. Cause mm -hmm. that means like nothing you're ever doing. Are you fully present for? That's true. You have one foot in the present and one foot in the other situation. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not healthy. And so I remember, I remember having this conversation um, with my friend Kara. I remember exactly where we were sitting on a Saturday night I was telling her about this, like not having guilt-free time. And we created this whole plan on how I was going to have my time and also completely, um, sort of agree to taking care of my dad. Like okay. I was going to go all in like, all right, I'm not going to be on the fence. I'm not going to be like struggling. How do I do it all? I'm just going to commit. I'm going to schedule. I'm going to make sure I can take care of my dad. And I like, I had, I was like empowered, like, yeah, dad, I'm going to take care of you. He mm -hmm. was in New York at the time visiting my sister. And I was like, when you get back here, like I'm all in, we got this. And I never saw him again. Oh. He died in New York. I ended up flying there on that Monday while he was on, um, uh, life support. And we had to take him off life support on Thursday. Oh, wow. And so that was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, universe. <laughs> Yeah, just when you thought you had to figure it um, out for a moment. <laughs> I had a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't like my plan. And I'm not okay with this, you know? And so, you know, it did give me this freedom to be able to, like, do Project Bike Love and ride my bike and travel and do all these things that, like, I never could do before without feeling guilty. But it didn't feel good either. Like, no. it's not like the freedom was, like, freeing. It was like, Wow. What, how did this, it was just a lot of like, how did this happen? Um, but it did definitely drive me to be 
you know, more present with Project Bike Love and yeah. give more of myself because I had more to give kind of a thing. Yeah, not that you needed that context, but I think it does bring a, a context to a person's life when they see how the fragility of life. Yeah. Even when we have a, the best master plan like you did in place, yeah. you're ready to enact on it and the universe just throws you a yeah. curveball. Yeah. And it, do, you know, and it does. And it's crazy because I think I've experienced a lot of death in my life that, um, you know, some people can relate to and some people just have it. And, you know, I lost my best friend to suicide when she, when I was 20 and that was huge. And, um, and that was like a life changing moment for me. That's like when I was like, Oh no, I'm going to get my shit together and be a functioning adult in this world mm -hmm. and contribute and like actually have purpose. And that stemmed from, from her losing her because it was one of those moments where you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. We're so young. How did that happen? A dad's not going to see their daughter grow up. We lost a friend. Like, it's just life-changing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I lost other friends, you know, throughout my 20s. And when my dad died, that was like, that was next-level grief. Mm -hmm. That was like, wow, I don't even know who I am or how, you know, like that was like totally life-altering. Yeah. So, um, you know, but one thing I really took out of that was, all the amazing things that my dad fought for mm -hmm. um, and realized that to honor him, like I had to do the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have to, but that's just like what I was choosing, you know, I'd be proud of you for doing so. Yeah. Like I'm going to, you know, create an impact where I'm passionate about it. You know, he, his was in politics and libertarianism and, you know, a totally different direction than, than mine, but you know, it's the same sort of drive mm -hmm. and, and having that purpose, you know, when my dad died, I knew that he had lived a really amazing life fighting for something that he believed in. And I wanted to honor him by doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so that's what I, you know, that's kind of what, what had really motivated me, but what I also struggled with at the same time. Yeah. And, um, another, you know, we had, um, another, uh, board member of ours on Project Bike Love died last year um, in Peru. And that was another um, really just crazy thing for us. Like it was crazy for Project Bike Love to yeah. lose somebody. I mean, we were all so close to him and a little, just a tiny history on that. Like um, we uh, had dated uh, back when um, my dad had died and he was actually with me when my dad died. Mm. And grief is hard and relationships are hard and it eventually, and not to his fault, but probably partly mine and not really knowing who I was in the world at that time, we ended up um, not, you know, we ended up breaking up, but we luckily like became amazing friends, right? And he wow. stayed real. I know it was like, honestly, it was such a miracle. Like <laughs> people don't normally do this, but no. <laughs> after our breakup, about, you know, like a month or so after like things had, you know, we'd moved out and kind of done our own things. We like went to dinner one night and we sat down and we like what we called like got complete with our relationship. Like we went through like all of the things that maybe we weren't over yet or that we wanted clarification on. And we just had these like really hard conversations um, and just like clear that up. And then we sat there and created like what our friendship was going to be going forward. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And he was just like, and we, and we did that. And then every day since then, like we made sure that we showed up for each other in the way that we said we would that day. It's amazing to make a commitment with somebody and then follow through with it. Yeah. Because it's like, you know what the expectation is because you both created it together. And, um, and he got so involved with Project Bike Love and we stayed friends and he, was so close to Berlin and Amy and everybody else in, you know, on the team. And, um, we just, we all had a great relationship and he was such an amazing, amazing human. And, and, you know, he was there with me the day that my dad died. And honestly, like I couldn't say enough good things about him. And so, you know, when he died, that was another moment where we were like, or, I mean, we as an organization were, you know, grieving, but then also I was just like, what? Yeah, your support the system. Fuck yeah. universe. <laughs> Excuse my language. No, but no, it's true. What the fuck? Like it was. I mean, that was another. Like I may have well have gone back to the bed in my dad's house at watching thirty Breaking years Bad. old, watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting alone in this apartment in Gilroy, California. I just moved up to 
California for a new job and I, or yeah, and like my dad had died. So I was like, okay, fine, I'm gonna chase my dreams. So I'm gonna move, I'm gonna start this new job in a new place with nobody I know. And then like right before I move, the guy that I was seeing leaves. He was supposed to move up there with me and everything. And he's just like, nope, not gonna do it. Wow. And and I had a broken collarbone at the time, so I couldn't even pack my own house. And like the women at Project Bike Club, like Belen and Debbie, they showed up and like packed my whole house with me. Like, it's amazing. Like we're, we, like, even though like what we do and what our purpose is, is to like get the bikes and everything. We're also like a family that helps each other out on a personal level as yes. well. And it was like, I moved up there and then, you know, not to sound like a toy, I sound like a country song. Okay. <laughs> my dad dies. I move. My boyfriend leaves me two months later, my dog dies. And then, you know, like four months after that, Matt died. Wow. And I was like, okay, yeah, I 100% can't handle this. Right. And I'm like, how can I continue to like give back to Project Bike Club? I have nothing to give. I can barely brush my teeth and I have to go to work and like be on. Yeah. Because at when I worked at Specialized, I like taught classes to retailers. So you have to like put your shit behind you and just like, yay, here's the show, you mm -hmm. know, when really I would, this is how my weeks would go. Monday show up to work, freaking jam like through the week until Thursday night when you're just so freaking tired, you pass out. And then Friday, I would cry almost all day. Like that's literally how I would grieve. It was killing me. Like I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And honestly, it wasn't until recently that I finally like got the motivation and just like found that part of me that wants to give back. But like, that's the great thing about Project Bike Love, like Blynn and Amy and Debbie and like our newest board member, Melissa, like those women, I mean, like I could literally disappear and the whole thing would run itself. Like as long as maybe I showed up for tax time. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as far as like making, you know, like keeping the business going, those women can hands down do it. A strong without, team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the great thing. Like we all have each other's backs and you know, they, we were all going through a lot, but they, they were, um, you know, they were really pulling most of the strings for the last like, you know, year after Matt died. Cause it was definitely hard for me Oh yeah, I bet. to find that. But what's great is like having something like project bike love is like, you know, that you have a, like you have some place to put that energy and to give back. It's just like finding your way back there. Yeah. You know, and giving back so much. It's like you're going back to an eight to five job and just plugging away in a cubicle. Yeah. And just bleh. Yeah. No, no, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and I really appreciate you being open and to uh, discuss the vulnerabilities of the grieving. And I know on a personal level, as friends, we've talked about that. And I've been through it several times. And my wife has been the mat, so to speak, in support and, you know, grief. And that's not easy in relationships, it's a lot to it. So yeah. um, I think uh, a term I learned recently is traumatic growth. Yeah. And so through the darkness comes a like light. That. Yeah. So you've been handling a lot of darkness and you yeah. create a lot of light. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, it's honestly like I, like today in my life, I'm so grateful. And I don't think that I would feel this amount of gratitude if I hadn't had lost what I had. Right. Because I am, it's funny, like this weekend, we all went ice climbing and it was like, you know, it's like October 13th and we're on ice and we're stoked. And yeah. I am like, overstoked. Like I'm like, yeah, guys, we're out here. This is so great. How great is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I'm like, I hope I'm not annoying you guys, you know, but I'm just so stoked on life. Like, and it's, there's like another level that I'm just like stoked to feel stoked again. Yes. So it's like, because I just couldn't find that for months, mm -hmm. like all, and I am, I love life. Like if anybody who knows me knows, I love it. Like I want to live the heck out of it. And I honestly feel like Everything in my life right now is a total bonus. Mm -hmm. Like it's a bonus. Like if I would have, if like, I never saw this, this life of mine. And so it's such, it's like, I'm so stoked on it. And then when Matt died, like I couldn't find that. It was, it was like, it was gone. Like I was like, wow, is this depression? <laughs> I don't know if bit. I've yeah. had this before, <laughs> you know, like, I think this is what they call depression. You know, like I definitely have that. I should yeah. figure this out, you know, like, <laughs> that's what this is. And, and that's what I did. Like I saw a therapist at the time and she was like, I literally took somebody looking at me and going, Aaron, it's too 
much. Yeah. And I'm like, but, 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 but. And they're like, no, it's mm-hmm. too much for anybody. Like, you're not supposed to be able to handle this. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, somebody gave me permission to say it's too much. They validated this. Okay, yes. I feel this way. Like, yeah. You need that. I need that too sometimes. You do because you feel like, especially you look around and social media and everybody's like awesome all the time and like, oh, this happened to them, but they're great. And you're like, what? I'm not great. Yeah. Like, I'm not okay. You know? And when somebody will look at you and say like, yeah, you're not okay and it's okay. Like, it's too much. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, okay. Okay, good. And then when you get that validation, you can like, deal with it then, you know? So I took myself on a solo road trip and I spent seven days just like in Utah and uh, met some friends in Red Rocks at the end of my trip. And like, I found a little bit of my joy again. And then, you know, for the last year, I've just been like chasing that joy, you know, until, until I could get the gratitude back. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it didn't come back and I knew I needed it. Oh God. And I did the thing. You know, I'd wake up and I'd write the gratitude list in the morning and blah, 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 blah. And it was like, I'm really not like, this is just, a, <laughs> this is just an exercise. Like I yeah. am not like, I, it's like, I would just like, I want to be grateful. Like I mm-hmm. want to be grateful. Like I want to feel gratitude. I want, you know, so I just had to like keep chasing joy and finding those things, you know, and like. And what's crazy is like, I kept being really hard on myself for not wanting to give back the way that I had for so many years. Like, and then I realized like, wow, like I don't have anything to give. Like I have to heal and then I can give. Yeah. You have to put the oxygen max on yourself. First. Yes. Yeah. I was not doing that. <laughs> I know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I was one, but I didn't realize I wasn't doing that. Yeah. You know, it's like some of the things that's so crazy about like growth and like self-help is like, you can really like fuck yourself with like self-help because you can Mm -hmm. make yourself feel like you're supposed to be growing and growing is supposed to be this like beautiful thing. And, you know, you don't allow yourself the failure that's, or like the down parts of life that you're supposed, that you go through because you're human. Yeah. And it's like, I wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I realized like that I needed to allow myself to be sad, to be depressed, to not have anything to give that like I could recharge and like now feel ready to give. Like now I like, I love my job. You Mm -hmm. know, I work for Fox now. I work with retailers. I'm super passionate about bike and bike retail. I love it, you know, and, and, you know, being motivated to like do this job is like so awesome for me to like have that again, to be able to give, to be able to actually wake up and be like, how am I going to give to, you know, my retailers? How am I going to support? How am I going to be able to, you know, communicate with my boss effectively? Like, how am I going to, you know, manage things? And like, I can actually do that now where before it was like straight survival. Like, Oh, I I feel you. I work in the service industry as well. I'm mm -hmm. like, I have to put on a show and train people or entertain them or, you know, take them through a project. I'm like, Oh, I just want to sit on a rock. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you have to show up for them. You do. Like that's your job. Yeah. And that's always tough. It's like you sometimes, and not that, it, like sometimes it's like sitting behind a desk and being at a computer. Like I, when I was depressed last year, that's all I wanted. I'm like, mm-hmm. why can't I just, I remember actually with a coworker sitting outside, just like dealing with like, you know, you have to have all the information, right. And you're talking to retailers and they, you know, you have to present and you're up on stage and you're like talking about product and you have to say it right and all this stuff. And it seems like it's not a big deal, but when you're in it, it's like a lot of pressure. Oh yeah. And I remember this like crazy week and afterwards I was just like, wow. And my, we give feedback, right? Like you and your coworkers give feedback. How'd mm-hmm. you do? What could you do better? And he like gave me like the smallest bit of constructive feedback. And I just cried because I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I suck. I don't want to do this. I want to sit behind a desk. I want to do spreadsheets all day. I don't want to talk to people. Like I had a full on breakdown, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be in front of people. I'm not good at this. Like I should be behind a desk. Like I don't deserve to be in front of, like I just lost it. Cause there was like something so hard about having to to show up for other people when like I was just like broken inside. Yeah. Yeah, Like I was just like suffering, you know, but in hindsight, I think like it, in some ways it really helped with, with the growth and the healing. Mm -hmm. Cause like showing up for other people is like really powerful, especially when you don't want to, and you do it anyways, that's like huge. Yeah. And deep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like in that, I think, 
uh, you know, is really um, important in our world is to show up even when we don't feel like it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, you going and doing that for your clients is huge. And you probably don't, you know, you think you're doing it for them, but you're getting something out of that too, Always, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't feel like it. So it's amazing now. Like I'm so, I'm so happy that I like just want to like focus on my job and I want to help with Project Bike Love and I'm going to Paraguay. Oh, when is this? In, um, over Thanksgiving. Yep. This is what's super exciting because we're all like gearing up for this. We have... Um, we have 70 beneficiaries. Wow. Yeah. 70. Um, I believe it's 45 children that are getting bikes to go to school. So they have safe and reliable transportation. And then we have 35 women who are the breadwinners of their family who are going to be using the bikes to sell their goods in their community. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, we are so excited. The entire, well, um, Belen is going to be there anyways because she's visiting her family. So she's going for a month. I'm traveling down there from here and meeting Amy and Debbie in Panama. And then we're flying down to uh, Paraguay together. And then we have three straight jam-packed days. They're the days where you wake up early in the morning and you don't go to bed till late at night and you're doing something all day. And it's full on summer down there and it's mosquitoes and it's humid (laughs) and like, it's going to be like, it's wild. So we're going to go do that three straight days of that one travel day back. Um, and then we leave the next day. So it's like, it's just like one week of just jam packed deliveries and meeting amazing women and children and delivering bikes. And it's just, it's exciting. It's literally Thanksgiving. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to be sitting around having <laughs> eating Thanksgiving, turkeys. eating turkey. No, literally on Thanksgiving day, we're going to be delivering bikes. So, <laughs> so yeah. much better. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Good for you. It's so exciting. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's like you do, um, like, oh, you're missing out on that family tradition with your friends and family, but like, you don't even think about it when you're down there. No. You're like, what? This is this is like really giving. Yeah, you're, you're very <laughs> this thin- is what I'm thankful for, and this is what I'm giving. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you for your time. And yeah. Thank you for explaining how it started, why it started, and um, how can people help you with your project bike love. There's so many things um, that you can do to help, but honestly. It's as simple as like sharing our page with your your friends on Facebook or Instagram. Um, is it uh, projectbikelove.com? Yeah. So you, the website is www.projectbikelove.org. Org. Perfect. .org. And then our Instagram is just uh, at projectbikelove. And same with our Facebook, just at projectbikelove. Um, you can donate through the Facebook page. You can go to the website and under the button, take action, you can donate, um, and you can specifically donate to our Thanksgiving, um, delivery. There's a special, um, fundraiser for that going on right now. And again, like just talking about it, sharing about it, um, reaching out to us, shooting us an email. If you mm-hmm. have an idea, um, I'm just Aaron at projectbikelove.org. Um, you can even just email info at projectbikelove.org. Um, we unfortunately don't take used bikes. A lot of people ask us about that. We want to, and if there's local deliveries, we definitely do. And we'll reach out about that. But because of importing and all of that, like Mm. we buy our bikes locally in Paraguay. One, it actually is kind of nice to be able to give back to the community. We oh, don't course. come in with bikes from other places. Yeah, we you're supporting local business. Yes. Yeah, so That's we go beautiful. in there and we try to like really support the community, you know, 360 approach to it all. And um, that, so one bike, like for the bike and the cost of delivery and everything is $150. So hundred, we always say like, if you d- donate $150, that's one bike to one person. We're delivering 70 of those. So tell your friends. Nice. <laughs> it's a very fair price to, yeah. to get a bike to a yeah. person. And, and that's everything that covers the bike itself. You know, if they have a helmet, a lock, um, the, uh, travel for us to get there and the entire, I mean, it's really affordable. Like we do bare minimum, you know, mm-hmm. like we stay with friends. We don't stay in hotels. Like we basically the most expensive part of us going down is flying down there. Of course. But outside of that, everything else is done like 
we try to spend donor money on just the bikes. It's frugal. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So we include our travel and like everything in the $150. So that's, that's like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a nice round number too. 150. Yeah. yeah. It well, works. Aaron, I can't thank you enough for being on here and talking about this with such passion. And I'm going to have links in the show notes for projectbikelove.org and the awesome. Facebook and all of this. So all your listeners out there, uh, donate, share the love, Project yeah. Bike Love. Awesome, yeah. Aaron. Thanks well, for being on Spread the love. Spread the love. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. I, I love talking about Project Bike Love. It lights me up and then motivates me for the rest of my week. So. <laughs> well, perfect. It's, yeah. I can see the joy in your face, and I love it. Yeah. It's, it's awesome stuff, Aaron. Well, until next time, guys, this is Sean Sewell with the Engagement.com podcast. Take care.